0: Brendan was suffering from two autoimmune diseases from the age of 13 to 18, but he wasn't able to find any solutions to cure his diseases. And Michael lost many of his family members due to cancer during his teenage time. The unfortunate experience Brendan and Michael been through has motivated them to learn more in biology and one day creating useful solutions in biotech to save lives. In the second year of university, Michael and Brandon came together to create BioDojo, now Nuclear Dojo, a community and training ground for next generation of biotech innovators to connect, grow, and build in biotech together. This is our conversation. Welcome um, Michael and Brandon to this episode of Idea can Podcast. Um, you know, great to have you guys here. Thanks, man, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Okay, first question. Uh, without letting you guys introduce yourself first, what is the definition of
1: biotech to you?
2: You first, Link.
1: The definition of biotech to me comes down to building anything new to improve the quality of life for your fellow people using cutting-edge biology, Mm. or just biology.
2: Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like the same definition, the the end goal of that is definitely to um, improve quality of life but I think it's also beyond that where it's it's a it's a very unique intersection of both like the business the commercialization side of bio but also like the science Um, and it's it's a it's like that pivotal intersection where you don't know what's ahead Um, you don't know what the biology could lead to one day but you're kind of taking that leap of faith Mm. um, to kind of build something so that's kind of what biotech means is there like any examples that, you know, biotech
0: has existed in our life but you know some of us might not notice? You know, just give us one or two examples that's really, really prominent in terms of biotech. Prominent and also hidden? Or just Yeah, prominent? like because sometimes people like they they, you know, sort of ignore the fact that biotech is around us, but it's yeah. actually had a lot of impact on us. Yeah. Is there any example of that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's
2: quite a few. I think the first one like that comes to mind like that we don't think about is is uh, our food. Um, like cell, cell ag we call it cell ag like cellular ag- agriculture like the way we have corn or like the way we eat bread that's all genetically modified um, or at least the majority of it okay. is um, unless you buy organic but a lot of that you, you kind of change the way the genetics of of that particular produce is so that it grows uh, either it goes faster it can withstand harsh conditions it's able to you know use less resources and that's all done so that we can all have enough, enough food to eat. Um, that's, like, one example that I don't think we think about too much
1: when we think of, of biotech. Yeah. The world of uh, cellular agriculture and alternative food is, um, yeah, everything from GMOs to, you know, um, you know, harvesting stem cells and growing you know, all in new steaks without having to kill animals. I mean, this is a kind of, like, the emerging new front that I feel like a lot of us are going to be banging into when it comes okay. to consumer biotech. Mm-hmm. I mean, the obvious, uh, I, I think also things like, you know, COVID re- COVID-19 rapid antigen tests. Right, right. Uh, of course the vaccines, these are kind of, this is kind of the other side of biotech that I like to call, that's called, I like to call bio pharma, referred to as biopharma. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, uh, if you, if you take the amalgamation of every, you know, alternative food company, uh, you know, your, your big farm companies, modern Pfizer, public, you know, even like health tech companies, right. uh, the guys in McFibit and et cetera, this all kind of conglomerates into a term I like to call, like we like to call the bioeconomy. Bioeconomy. The bioeconomy is kind of like the yeah the new and up and coming term for this. It's just any it's the amalgamation of all the companies that are doing something cool with biology and trying to you know improve the general um, standard of living.
0: Okay. What what has been you know biotech so attractive to you guys? Because you know I, I think um, very different from uh, the majority of the young kids right now. Some of them are lost what they want to do in their life. But I, I think for you especially two of you your interest is very clear to you because you're interested in biotech and both of you are so um, how did you guys get interested in, in biotech and you know wh- what is you know your some of your experience and stories
2: if you don't know want yeah so I think uh, we both started because I think both of us have a pretty deep passion for um, for science yeah uh, we both got into research pretty pretty early on and that I think for both of us was driven by personal personal experiences okay. uh, like like for me I had experience with a disorder called autoimmune disease which is basically when your body starts attacking itself yourself uh, yeah so oh, what it's happened it's basically like i had two autoimmune diseases before one of them was um it was called pans and the other one was called itp oh, okay pans affected like my brain you can google all the symptoms it's like it's pretty crazy uh but ITP, how old were
0: you when you had those i was in
2: grade eight so maybe like 13 i think for 13 at the time okay and it was like for a period of five years from 13 to 18 that i had experience these symptoms um for those two different autoimmune diseases but at the time there was no cure um for what existed before so when i came to university um i found out that you know like i didn't know this before but i I found out undergrads get involved in research i think that's something i that was my first step um unknowingly into the biotech world and then from there i was like okay what does this research what's what's the next step for this like how does this actually reach the patient i think so many times we think as you know students looking to get into like Research or medicine, like it stays in the lab, but it's go go and you write a paper about it. But to actually get it to the patient, you have to do a lot of things behind the scenes that we don't really learn about. All right. Um, and it was just like you know the commercialization process, like patent creation, um, you know, going through a university like TTOs and stuff. Uh, that that's all things that you know we talk about in, in biotech uh, because that's something that in academia it's really you're just there for like a lot of it. You're there for the science. Uh, so just kind of seeing that and also like the business side too yeah. like what that looks like that was really interesting to me and how okay. it could potentially you know propel a scientific innovation towards like a patient so that's where my interest kind of got started in, in okay. biotech Okay, that was in my first year end of my first year okay is yeah. there like
0: an overarching like vision that you guys you had specifically for example you know using biotech to save life that really resonate with you is there yeah like a lot
2: of it was just like I. there's a lot of people who have really good ideas um, but they just like it's it's still you know we're experimenting on like on rats and like mice and stuff yeah but if it's if we're able to actually you know develop something put it into turn it into into like, a company so that you know patients can actually get you get the product yeah um, that was kind of where I wanted to see Particularly in my case, like autoimmune, um, just like drugs targeting autoimmune diseases. Okay. That was where my just kind of lied. Nice.
0: Yeah. What about you? I think you you got into biology quite early on. I, I see you post uh, a lot of uh, medium papers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. so, so tell really, me about your story, man.
1: <laughs> How'd you get into bio biology and biotech in general? You know, if it wasn't for personal experiences I'd probably be working in animal biology or conservation right now oh because I've always been in love with nature I've always you know mm. as a kid I was I was a guy who was outside you know staring at bugs and planting sunflowers for hours on end and I oh. was like okay that was me that was me like my element you know I I could <laughs> happily watch animals do their thing for hours on end and not be faced whatsoever. But I, I don't know how that. much time has passed. I've always liked your first interest that really. So yeah, um, I you know I was privileged enough to grow up in a house with like a, a pretty nice garden, and okay. um, so I got it, my first ever form of like you know physical activity mm-hmm. or like or like <laughs> interaction with nature was through gardening. Uh, so I used to like pride myself in like planting like these really really tall sunflowers like. Oh. things like almost like seven feet tall sunflowers and stuff like that Whoa. and like i at one Whoa. point i was planting corn in my backyard yeah. <laughs> um, like you know those, those like those baby corns yeah, yeah. uh and i was, i think you know being able to kind of just like see what you have uh so, you know see what your planet grow from the you know grow, grow literally from the ground up uh yeah. that at least to me satisfied two things i got to see you know i got to kind of like admire nature and just you know be fascinated with it but it also allowed me to kind of just be proud of something i built and i was very happy nice. about that yeah. But evidently, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not right now currently uh, catching, you know, geckos in the Mekong River Delta in Vietnam. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a lab <laughs> doing work, bi- biomedical work. Yeah. So basically, the biomedical part comes in, which kind of grounds me, I'd say, is... Uh, I've, you know, the, to tell you the truth, I've just lost a lot of people to, namely cancer. Um, Your family. Family and friends mm-hmm. uh, to cancer. Um, so, you know, throughout, I basically spent from age 13 up until now even Uh, just like sending condolences letters uh, viewing bodies in state viewing you know people in their coffins and uh, yeah and just you know having to um, repress a lot of my I guess frustration and anger with the current state of the world Um, Mm. when it comes to Especially cancer therapies okay. um, I lost basically my maternal figure um, While my parents were you know, working 13 like, hour days I was raised with my aunt and grandma And I lost my aunt when I was uh, 13 oh, To, can- to wow. uh, stage 4 metastasized brain cancer Round 2 of metastasis uh, wow. Previously went to the lungs And then the brain uh, and you know, So I saw my, this maternal figure of mine Battle cancer for mm. uh, Probably 5 years A good 5 years you know, consistently going to get chemo, radiation, coming back, losing her hair, losing her strength. Uh, you, and were you thirteen year old at the time. I was eight, and eight, then, and then it, uh, yeah, and then it, it, she died when I was age thirteen. Okay. Um, wow. So you know, when you're when you're when you're eight and you see your family member, you know, are basically who you see is your mom uh, get diagnosed with cancer. You think, you know it's bad, but you don't really know the gravity of it. Right. It's only when you know you see the ha- when you see her with no hair when you okay. see her muscles going away when you see her limping every day with the gauze in her wrist and then you realize how fucked it up how fucked up it is okay. um and you mm-hmm. know those images are kind of stained in my head to this day which is the reason why like i'm i'm, I'm pretty unwavering when it comes to what i want to do mm-hmm. which is to create scalable and affordable cancer therapies and mm-hmm. that is that is my uh you know that's my unwavering goal and you know Unless something really gets in my way of you know achieving that goal, that's what I'm going to be working on. That's what you'll catch me working on in the long run, and by any means. Mm. Yeah. So, so
0: when did you start? You know, doing research or start getting into cancer cancer therapy? I would suggest.
1: So I I joined a program called the Knowledge Society or TPS, um, okay. which is a it's basically a high school it's a it's a program aimed at high school students, right. and mm. it's the core objective of the program is really to train high schoolers to Adopt the tools, mindsets, and techniques, and also build a network with each other. Uh, but a soft, a, adopt the tools, mindset, and techniques of um, startup founders. It very much is to create, uh, plant the seeds of a startup founder in wow. the high school, in like a population of talented high school students. Okay. And I had the opportunity to join this program, and um, you know, forever grateful for being able to be a part of it. And you know, my, so my first starting to you know any form of science work whatsoever was scientific communication. So as you mentioned, I. Been writing a lot of medium blogs right. on different areas of science for the longest time. Right. Uh, I think I started when I was. I think it all started on my sixteenth uh, birthday. I think I'd recall sixteenth or seventeenth birthday. Oh, did you set a goal or something? No. Uh, <laughs> so it's actually funny. So I was working on a project that okay. day. Uh, it was. I was trying to mod. I was, Playing with this tool called PyMol for the first time, and I was building like a model of a protein. Uh-huh. Uh, and then my mom came. In, and it was like 1 a.m. It's one of those things where you just kind of vibing, you just kind of like you're in your zone building something. 16. Yeah. And then, <laughs> do you my, know about these?
2: I, I've seen the videos. Oh god! Yeah. Okay. So I, if you Google, okay. like Google, like Google yeah. Michael Trin on YouTube, yeah, you can find him doing some presentations and stuff about. A little random bio. Yeah, so <laughs> oh, that's really cool. I'm like 16 years
1: old. So the funny thing was, like, I remember that was my birthday because my mom reminded me. Okay. So it was literally like kind of just chipping away, and my mom's like, "Yo, it's your birthday." It was like, uh, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> Sixteen. Years, I think birthday means a lot to a kids when they're you know pretty yeah. young, but
0: you know your work ethic or your interest is so
1: dominant that you know you forget just, about. I just wanted to get into a lab. Okay. Like that was my goal. And uh, so my first real research project, I'd say, started when. When I was in grade 12 so that I was like 17 mm-hmm. um like i had the privilege of meeting a scientific mentor I started doing this like uh this uh we built this tool called remedy uh it's actually available now remedyrepo.org remedies r-e-m-e-d-i <laughs> and we basically built this uh, repository of immune cell parts um to basically educate future bioengineers on like the immune system from right. a perspective of like replaceable parts thinking as you know thinking of immune receptors as these, as like you know, sensors, uh, thinking of immunological, uh, I- immunological functions as like mm. circuit outputs. We basically framed the immune system as a as an electrical circuit. Oh, uh, how long, how long
2: did it take for you to, to put that out? There? How how long did it take for Remedy to come out?
1: Yeah, Remedy from start to finish. It's been an, um, it's been two years. It's been two years since. Is it, yeah, it took about two years. Um, yeah, there's been a, it's been a big big journey to get here wow. and we're yeah we're excited to uh to see this release out to the public nice man soon. i'm excited too yeah thanks but yeah. that was a big tangent thanks for <laughs> listening. <laughs> Thank i guess for brendan um you talked about
0: something you did in college and, and in high school and and what what gets you really started in biotech and uh, brendan i think um you also had multiple ventures before you started dojo right yeah um, so can you you know maybe share a little bit more about that and is it related to biotech as well
2: yeah, so I think um, I started getting into the... I, so I didn't do TKS um, and I think I, I started really being interested in building things when I was in university. I didn't really know that was possible because I came from, you know... Like, I just really didn't have the exposure. So when I started into in university, yeah. I remember, like, a big, like you know, in, in like inflection point being when I met someone and he said he was doing research since grade 10. Oh, and that's when I got him? A <laughs> no, guy named Sean, actually. Okay, I remember. Sure. And that, that's what really got me thinking, like, hey, I didn't know this was possible, that I could actually start, you know, contributing to the field or even just like building things, whether it be bio or anything to solve problems when, when we were just kids. Like, I was 18 at the time. Like, I was still very, very, like, in my mind, I was still pretty young and naive. But I think after that point, I started thinking of things from like, um, you know, from first principles like, like there's a problem. Like, how do I break it down? How do I solve this? So uh, I think the biggest first of my first ever venture was in um, it was a nonprofit for high school students. And mm-hmm. it was March of 2020 when uh, COVID kind of hit and it kind of flipped our world upside down. Right. Um, and I remember like looking side to side and like seeing some of my peers like, struggle throughout the, fir- the first year transition and also seeing like high school students like being very confused myself included on what to do right after high school. And then ever and like add on COVID to that and it seems like a really, really bad mix. Like people are gonna get really, really lost. And you know, university like that, my first year was pretty pivotal for me. Um, and I knew that like, you know, many students will also have a very pivotal experience. So yeah. uh, I was like, okay, there's a problem here. Like these students don't have the support to kind of get through this uh, COVID included. Um, to you know apply to university and transition smoothly so kind of built up like my first venture there where uh, to kind of just be a centralized platform for students to come and get every single resource you need mm-hmm. to be successful in that transition um, and yeah over the course of I think four months we grew to have I think 500 or 500 submissions of over like 500 word like blog posts about oh. like university experiences so students can make the right decisions we've opened up an internship program for 170 students to get like experience despite COVID. and held like several events Uh just to get people aware of what's what's out there and what's to come Um and then a lot of our like our people that worked uh with me have now went on to start their own projects and start their own like companies And nice. like nonprofits and stuff so I think it was really great to see you know And, it, and this was me without any business experience or any like any experience at all honestly okay and it was just like I have a there's a problem that I just want to fix I want to solve um because I don't see anyone else doing it mm. and it was just just going with my gut and I think it was a very like very raw experience and I say raw because you know it's like you're there because of your passion mm. and that was it uh, and it wasn't because of like external influences like I didn't know where this could take me in the future I just really just wanted to help um I didn't really have that many mentors at the time so I didn't have like, the knowledge um for like you know on how to build something that's like scalable and everything so there was obviously a lot of like missing parts um, that I would do very differently but I think it taught me one thing that you know like the passion is so important like you you go back to like why you're doing what you're doing and you know that's always been something that I reflected on ever since ever since that so uh, I see a lot of problems all around me but then again it's like you know how do I solve this and like why am I doing this so maybe we can talk about this later, about like what our futures looks like, right. but I think maybe you'll learn. Um, Mike and I will have probably very different futures, uh-huh. uh, even in bio, which I move the, in the, the, the biotech, which is why I think biotech is so interesting. Yeah. Mike's a builder. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then like for me, I think I'm considered more, or I'd like to consider myself more as like an empowerer. Right. Yeah. Um, so just like, you know, supporting people who are actually doing like, nice. great things, but we can get into that like, uh-huh. <laughs> like later.
0: Uh, then then I, I guess there are some connections between these ventures and, and I guess the Bio Dojo when you guys first started. So yeah, uh, maybe share a story of how you guys find each other and how this idea, <laughs> you know, start you know appealing. It all
1: started with a cold message on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, wow. What happened?
2: Um, what was it? Was it was it in June or July? 2020? Yeah, summer. Yeah. Summer. So okay. So to backtrack a bit. Um, same year 2020 we were, me and Mike were both in first year mm. I I thought Mike was like a god <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew this guy from uh, <laughs> on LinkedIn all the time I would, like did visit. you did you saw his uh, medium post first or uh yeah i did i read like all his posts all his all posts. posts i read all his posts How many he <laughs> i kept i was i was probably his number one like seeker fan <laughs> 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 oh, I, I haven't even read all the posts <laughs> <laughs> but i remember um i was working with a guy at the time his name is david david okay. um and we were we were building something to kind of uh, fundraise for the sick kids hospital and uh-huh. we fundraised like ten thousand dollars for oh. the sick kids. we were all like first years students um we organized like a five was a 10k4 Ten for for COVID the COVID response oh COVID response okay. yeah so for the COVID. sick... yeah five it's called five in COVID that was and then so me and David worked very very closely throughout the summer uh-huh. um, and so David I, I recently learned that he was supposed to be going to Harvard Harvard Medical School I think um, for the summer and he was in his first year at Western and he was supposed to be going to to Harvard um, along with this guy who uh, who I would learn later learn to be Michael oh. <laughs> And they're gonna be roommates. Okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. Like what happened? What yeah. Happened there. So
1: David and I were planning to be roommates because we both had um, we were both planning these lab internships at uh, Harvard Medical School HMS. Mm-hmm. Um, but a uh, a small uh, viral inf- viral infection from Wuhan <laughs> started <laughs> scaling up around the world. <laughs> Biology kind of ate the world. Yeah. I actually cut that part out like, of oh, <laughs> <gonna be> <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah this uh you know covid came in like a you know came in swinging and um pretty much everything got shut down right uh, so we we i saw my yeah i saw the, you know any opportunity to have h m s kind of get uh you know put on ice um so that so i kind of yeah, spent the summer in Toronto instead um I forgot if David ended up going. That's if he somehow managed to go that summer or the summer after. But um, nah, it is. worked. Like, like he 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 did manage to get into HMS and, okay and, and, next summer and yeah. actually go. The, yeah, the following summer. But we yeah. we never ended up being roommates. Right. Okay. Yeah. You didn't go after for, to HMS. No. Um, um, so now I'm incoming at uh, MIT. MIT. That's 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 my Boston engagement. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: yeah so so you uh, find out about Mike and and uh,
2: cold message him on LinkedIn. Was it me or you? Uh, it was you, right? Did you cold message me? or I, I, forgot. I forgot. I think one of did. us did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we jumped on a call, and then because I think Mike knew t- David, and then he also saw me through like what I built. At the time, ISN was already like had a pretty good stronghold and. Yeah. Um, I was also doing research at the time as well, uh-huh. in, uh, in some like computational psychology lab, and then um, and then you yeah, I think you messaged me,
1: or it may have been an intro. Yeah, an intro. We got an intro for, we got for reason. You guys just, just to, to, meet. Just just to meet. meet. Just to oh, meet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. It's one of those. Uh, it's like you guys would vibe kind of intro, <laughs> yeah. which, which I love. By the way, Those are like my yeah. favorite kinds of intros. Yeah, like those yeah. ones you don't expect an intro. Okay. It's like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and
2: then we did like. Yeah. We did, and then we decided, like, talking about ideas of, like, what we wanted to build. I think we both have, we both were involved in research uh, to kind of know a little bit about the, what it was like as an undergrad. All right. Um, we also were both life science students at U of T. Um, so we kind of, like, figured out, like, hey, look, we know that there's, research is a thing, everyone wants to do research, but, like, what else is there? Like, what other people, what, what is something else that people are missing? Hmm. Um, and that turned out to be, like, biotech.
0: Okay, and, and after you guys get on a call and discuss, you know, those uh, opportunities, what, what was the first few
1: steps that you guys took to get this going? BioDojo, and by that extent, Nuclear Dojo all started as a Facebook group chat. It was yeah. literally, like, let's get people who are interested in, like, you know, who are just, in- who are doing research already, yeah. and who are interested in, like, translating biology and just the future of biotech. Let's get everyone Um, specifically in Southern Ontario Uh across these different universities all in the same group chat so we can just like send papers to each other and just like like, have some sort of communities or not like you know just kind of standing alone okay. right? in our, our respective schools, yeah. right. and then so we added a, we added a bunch of friends from like you know U of T it's like Waterloo people I think yeah like just all your yeah. friends in the beginning yeah literally it's just like U of T Waterloo Western didn't matter what school yeah it just added yeah. you okay. but then you know people have friends and then that becomes <laughs> a friends of friends effect okay. Okay. and you know the network grew and then by that time we had grown out of Southern Ontario in terms of like the people like the geographical like reach right. we had people in, like UBC and like McGill and stuff. Yeah. And then we had a friend coming from California, like, like a friend like joined us from like, I think it was Cal- like uh, Caltech or UCSD or something. Yeah. Uh, and then we we're like, okay, this is like a full on community. So then out of that, you know, amalgamation of people, uh, a, a, like three of us kind of came out of the woodwork to kind of structure this into like a proper community. And us three ended up being the founders of, of Dojo. Uh, nice. Us three being myself, Brandon, and uh, our third co-founder, Sobeta. Yeah. What, what was the main activity going on in the group chat? Like, you
0: guys just randomly chatting, where like, any set activities that you guys post on a regular yeah. basis in the very yeah. beginning. I think, like,
2: to, to give a little bit of context, uh, we were all early... Either very, very early undergraduate students, so like right. first year. I think we're all first years, and some of the high schoolers. Yeah, Yeah. So, like
1: high schooler first year. Yeah, period.
2: so also for, let, let's say like for research in general, a lot of research is done in, in academic labs and through universities. And it's very, very competitive to get into these labs. So a lot of times we see people who are joining labs at like at the senior level of undergrad. Mm. So like, you know, third and fourth years or plus, and a lot of like graduate students so as we all had a common bond firstly was like the love of bio right. we're just, and we're all new so everything was really fascinating to us yeah. and honestly i think it still is and secondly is we were very lonely because <laughs> yeah. there was really no one who could under really understand like hey you know like we're all first years we're all in this lab we don't know what we're doing but we just want to learn and like we have these ideas but we're like you know we don't know where to put them so it was you know just having that like that literally
1: like, it was called Gen Z Bio. Yeah, we called it Gen Z Bio. In the very beginning. (laughs) It was Gen Z Bio and it was uh, our attempt at making friends. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) literally. It was just like,
2: we just talked, we just talked to to, to each other and I think we were all very like, we all vibe like really well. Yeah. So we would like just Right. Like, people would just send papers, like, hey, I have a question on this. Like, has anyone looked at this before? Yeah. And it's
0: all voluntary. Like, people just love to yeah. being there and speak to each other. That
1: was the magic. That was kind of, like the the magic of the community. It wasn't like there was some sort of, like, carrot in front of us that we had carrot. to, like, chase. Like, mm. it was, there wasn't, like, some sort of co-curricular credit or, you know, volunteer hour or, you know, CV that you could really put this on. Okay. It was just more like we just wanted to be here uh-huh. and that was something that i didn't really experience uh-huh. and, just, and like uh, i didn't really get that out of the student groups i had joined first year oh uh like the, the science-based ones right. at least hmm. uh yeah so that was like the first science-based passion-filled passion-powered uh student group that i was a part of and okay. it was yeah there was something magical about it uh-huh. I, really, I really liked it uh-huh.
0: and when when is the oh shit moment for you guys, when you realize, oh, okay, this is this might be something, this might be like a, you know, a business or, or, or something that we can carry
1: through. Uh, it's, when was that moment? I think it's different for, it could be different for all three of us. Okay, yeah. maybe you can, you know, each Okay.
2: Meet. Well, I think for me, it was just like, every time we would bring someone in. They would always bring in like two or three more people or they would ask like hey could I bring these two or two oh people? okay and then they if we like if we brought one of them on like they would just say yeah, hey I like these friends I think and I think that was when I was like hey like I think there's a need here like I think people want to you know yeah like they, they're looking for this exact community where you know we can learn together as like young people and it was honestly it, I don't think it was started with the vision of biotech like it started just like as Young researchers, yeah, like the, young, the, the young, young researchers. It, 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 it was
1: really like the young life researcher society, yeah. If anything, okay. And then um, it kind of evolved into the biotech with, uh, yeah,
2: but yeah. And the reason for that is because I think of the the diversity of interest within the group. Like the people were coming in from all different fields. All right. So from people who were doing like you know cellular microbiology to like synthetic immunology to you know computational biology or even like neuroscience. Those, like it's everyone was just very very different, okay. Um, and so I think it forced us to kind of zoom out a bit and be like, hey, look, we, what's what's the common goal despite all these differences? And a lot of them were like very similar to Mike and I, where have like a passion for you know seeing impactful like life changing biotechnologies to go into market and start impacting patients uh-huh. like at scale. Okay. So I think that's when we kind of zoomed out a bit and then we're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna switch this a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, to include the science, but also see what's, what's what else is what what else could kind of lift up the science, uh-huh. which was ended up being like the, everything else in bio, in the biotech. Okay, industry. how
1: about you? Yeah, I think, it really all clicked when we when we reached out to our first guest speaker because we, we, mm. we it's basically our first event. Oh, our first guest speaker and our first event was a fireside chat. And it was it was hosted by uh, like we hosted it with um, a the head of U of T's immunology department, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Juan Carlos Inigo Fluker, who is a amazing guy. He's this uh, well pretty well renowned uh, developmental immunologist. Um, his lab had, at the time was spinning out a company called Launch Therapeutics, okay, um, which today is a multi million dollar therapeutics company That's developing great. the future of like T cell therapies, so namely for cancer, and you know so we. We're, I got to see this kind of company, this Canadian company being you know spinning out in real time, and you know what better first person to have than this you know, this friendly, guy, friendly professor who you know is working on some pretty cool stuff and it's just being it's just spinning out of company? So we had him on for our first, uh, our first ever fireside chat. This was December of 20, 2020 2020 Yeah December 2020 a few like, a, like
2: I think a few months after we've yeah. formalized into evolved from a messenger group chat into
1: a discord you know? okay. yeah. like a month later I think yeah <laughs> like a few weeks later a month later and then we had this first event uh-huh. and it was after we you know we, we hit the screenshot uh, keys and you know you had that you know how you had the, those zoom screenshots where everyone's like smiling and stuff uh, it was that it was that exact moment when I was like Sh- okay we're building uh, something here Right, yeah. like there's a need for this. People okay. want to come in and help. Yeah, this is this is the grounds for like something big. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's been it yeah. like that since that day. Yeah, okay.
0: and and I guess after the oh shit moment, did, did you, you guys? I, I, it all started with the group chat, but there, you know, there needs to be some vision or goal. So did you guys ended up
1: setting a grand vision or goal for BioDosion where this could be?
0: It's been evolving. It's yeah. been
1: evolving okay. a lot. I think. Um, the whole biotech aspect, like Brandon said, came from the fact that we were all we all had a diverse set of, of um, like experiences and research interests, and therefore you couldn't really cater to one uh, without like neglecting the other. So biotech was like the common, the, the translation and like impacting people was like the common denominator. But I will say is like we also noted that we weren't really being trained in how biotech worked in school, and that was another really big factor, right? Like there was there was very few. Uh, how biotech work courses for undergrads. Mm -hmm. Everything we saw was for grad students. Or if there was like a translational course, it was like for upper years, Mm. like third, fourth years. Um, Or it covered a very, very, very specific aspect of biotech, like the drug discovery pipeline, which is amazing. But there's a lot more to biotech or the bioeconomy than just the drug discovery pipeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we wanted to kind of train each other and learn about this industry um, because school wasn't going to train us. And it wasn't exactly an edX or coursera course we could just easily subscribe to and, you know, learn from. Okay. So the vision, I think, in the, end, in the beginning was to build a learning, a learning community. Learning. Where undergrads, community. In, undergrads with some research experience or interest in translating biology can come in, can learn about how the industry works, and then come out with at least some sort of, like, rough blueprint blueprint on a biotech company they may want to create or a startup they may want to join you know, we, we, we basically, our goal is to transform student researchers with passion and curiosity about biotech into, you know, startup operators or founders, um, at least in the long run. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't like a short-term thing. Like, we weren't
2: like when we started, we weren't thinking of, you know, these first-year students are going to, like, build a company next year or something. Um, this When we first started, it was like, okay, how do we actually, you know, give them everything that they need, like the tools, the exposure, you know, the network to actually... Find, find like join a biotech startup or even like down the road start building one I think it's a it's like a multi like multi-year vision and we see this now because we're in our you know, second third year yeah and like some of the people that we've started with are actually you know some of them have gone on to like build things uh, some of them have join really like like high growth startup biotech startups um, but it all started with just like just bringing people together to just share, like, everyone was sharing out of their, like, out of their passion to learn, mm-hmm. it was like a, there was like a share to learn kind of mentality, mm-hmm. where you share stuff, you, you teach other people about your field, um, but then you also learn from, like, what other people are teaching you mm-hmm. about their field. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and tell, tell
0: me about, like, a moment when you were building, um, BioDojo, that you were, like, you're super proud that, you know, I built something, like, that made you really, really happy, and you're, like, okay, this is my passion,
2: <clears throat> Is there a moment like that? I think it's when we just have people. When like I think when we just invite guests and then okay, like I think after that first call, I remember there was a time when um, one of our mentors, I, I think Ashen, he said like a few weeks later, like yeah, the department is talking about this thing called BioDojo or something. He's what was the exact story? I
1: forget. Like um, yeah, so this was this was like I'd say. It was probably right after our our talk with uh, professor Fluker uh-huh. uh, so right after our first event and you know when the head of immunology um, the head of the immunology department gets to talk, he's going to talk about what he talked about uh, and you know he he mentioned it to a few of the scientists in the department I think and uh, you word know, was getting around. We had friends who, who were like talking about us with their department heads you know um, so hearing hearing that Biodojo was in the nexus the lexicon of like you know the head of the monks monk school at U of T as well as the head of the department like that was uh, immunology like that was freaking wild because uh, it started out as a freaking group chat <laughs> you know what I mean yeah like this, we had no <laughs> we had no initial like starting uh mm-hmm. idea of like you know we're gonna be here like we're gonna have all this happen so yeah that was pretty pretty yeah that was like
2: yeah I think that was the
1: biggest one for me okay like nice how are you it's the same same kind of thing I think for me, it really hit when I got a DM from one of our one of our members, and he he basically told me how Dojo had changed the way he like like Dojo, like his experience with Dojo literally, in his words, uh, changed what he was gonna do uh, ah. from like a tech job. Like he was like kind of on the CS route of things. Uh, and he and or you know he, he was also com- confused between doing like pure tech like a, like a SaaS job mm. or like doing like machine learning research, and he attributed his new like his his drive and dedication to wanting to do translation of bio, you know, using his machine learning skills mm. uh, to his experience in Dojo, mm. and hearing that like that really that 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 was like one of those moments where it was like damn we've actually done you, something you did make an impact th- we actually yeah like we actually made an impact and like. Added a new person with drive, talent, and a lot of skill to the biotech space. If this guy goes on to create, you know, some crazy therapy or new drug, for example, yeah, it's like it's like if we if we can even (laughs) have like a chapter in in, in his story, right? Yeah, that that would be enough.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's all of us, though. I think like my person, I've changed my
2: trajectory after joining this too. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's. yeah it's, it's, it's a kind of crazy man like, especially you know about. those kids are very, very
0: young and, and they um, every decisions or every step they make is very important and especially you guys had an impact on them you know giving these community and, and learning opportunities for them right and um, yeah so where do you where do you guys see it going next
2: for for uh, where do we see it going yeah um, so I think a few months ago uh, earlier this year we merged with Nucleate which okay. is a um, it's a, I believe it's a non nonprofit out of the, in the U. S. And they basically their big thing is very aligned with us, but they primarily serve the graduate school population, and then we we all collectively as Nucleate, we want to empower future biotech leaders. And uh, so I think for us right now, what we see where we see this going is to continue doing what we're doing, in terms of you know finding community capital and resources to deploy to. To students who want to become the future of biotech in whatever capacity, because mm-hmm. biotech is really very, very multifaceted, yeah. and I'm still like learning about this, like right. even as, as I go. Right. Um, we hear about the science; that's what we think about when we hear biotech, but we don't think about you know the patent l- lawyers, like people who study law, and are you know, that's essential to kind of you know commercializing a product, or it could be you know the the university offices who are helping with the you know the patent creation and everything. Um, Or it could be the venture capitalists, like private industry within the within the field, who are trying to give out money to people who have uh, who have really you know something special in the works. Um, And there's many more examples of like what's involved there. But I think uh, as we continue to like number one, map out that entire ecosystem and see where we can you know put some undergrads there and get them exposed to what could potentially be very like very life changing for them and also for the industry. I think that's one of the things that we're trying to do for the future um, and then just try to get this get the word out mm. uh, I know we're, we're primarily on like on Twitter and LinkedIn um, and but we want to have a and we're like our, our program is mainly online for now just because of how broad our our, uh, our students are like geographically broad But we want to start creating chapters at local in local regions where you know biotech interest is high and gradually expanding to those to kind of populate more interest in biotech um am i missing anything
1: i think um so in terms of specific specific like, in terms of all other specific things so we we piloted a alice's nucleate dojo mm-hmm. piloted our first uh our first effort our first initiative uh over this summer which was a co-living house okay uh for Basically for biotech innovators in the under you know in their undergrad years, so like young, cool, you know, young, passionate biotech builders, okay. uh, to live together in uh, nor- the northern part of Cambridge, which yeah. is um, a suburb of Boston okay. in, in the U.S. And uh, yeah, we basically brought together like eight young, passionate you know un- um, undergrad builders, um, all-, all in the biotech space, but in different fields. You know, some in microbiology, some in uh, com, you know, machine learning for, you know, chemistry um, and drug discovery, you know, we brought everyone in under the same roof and, uh, you know, have basically partnered with a local, with some local venture capital firms like, uh, like Pillar and they, they really helped uh, mentor a lot of the students mm. who were, um, you know, who were living here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had like, we had mentorship from the Boston and the Cambridge biotech community. We had um, the students themselves getting to, you know, experience, you know, like, going into, like, visiting labs at Harvard MIT. You know, some of these students, uh, some of these students end up kind of working, actually, uh, with MIT. Oh, nice. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, and, you know, we, one of the students was uh, was working with the, B- the Beast Institute in Harvard Medical School. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having all these students interact with the Boston ecosystem, the, the bo- biggest ecosystem, biotech ecosystem in any given city in the world, Boston. Mm. Uh, and just kind of learning, uh, you know, learning about how the industry works, learning about... Uh, where their passions lie in the in specifically in the Baltic space was pretty pretty magical, and you know there's also some kind of just cool cultural aspect of this because you know as a life science student, and I'm sure any life science student who's listening to this can probably relate, the extent of like the extent of uh, community engagement that you get are usually in the forms of like you know like fundraisers maybe the occasional gala. And a lot of journal clubs, just like a lot, a lot of journal clubs or like research or poster affairs or research presentations.
0: What's, what's journal club?
1: A journal club is basically like a, like a session, like, like either a call or like, like an in-person, like kind of seminar-ish okay. where you, where as a group, you collectively go, you break down a research paper, oh, okay. like figure by figure. It's, it's a book
2: club, but for science, uh, scientific well, research it's scientific
1: reading one scientific research paper together and break it down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Asking questions, grilling it. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, like, that's very common if you're a life science student, and you've probably experienced this for anyone listening who is a life science student. It's very high chance you've experienced one of these things, either from a club or from a department, et cetera. But then we look at our friends in the tech field, and we're like, well, these guys have, like, hacker houses. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get, you get, you get these guys have to live, live, live with each other and, like, build cool projects and stuff. Like, why can't we do that? Right. right? Mm-hmm. We can't exactly be shipping. It's not exactly as easy, you know, to pull off, like... Building a I don't know a bacterial probiotic than it is to like you know ship updates to an app on GitHub. Right. But with that said, we can still take elements from that from that uh, tech culture and bring it over to biotech. Right. Um, for life sciences, okay. especially for undergrads, and that's you know the house was kind of magical in that sense. Okay. Yeah. What,
0: what what turned out to happen in the house? Like, is there any you know product that came out of it, and, and what did the guy do there?
1: Yeah. So we had uh we had so we had like we said we had the eight students. Um. So one of the So we had like a bunch of like community oriented events centered around the house. Oh, okay. We managed to interact a lot with the biotech ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Um, I know from those networking events, like different job introductions were made, which is actually pretty wild. uh, That, you know, our visiting community landed like some PhDs, like a a biotech industry job in Boston. So, you know, a lot of like very, very valuable connections made uh, between both like members of the house and the external community. And also between members of the external community because, you know, they went to events hosted by the house. Um, within the house members themselves, we had one guy building out, like, this uh, this kind of really, like um, unique material. It's just, like, material, uh, yeah. like, energy-efficient material. Um, something to... Yeah, something to do with, like, uh, being able to reduce the... Carbon footprint of a specific energy process. I forget the actual details of the project. Yeah. Um, but the guy's Twitter, if you're interested in reaching out to, is called the the Synthetic Rabbit. The Synthetic Rabbit. The synthetic Rabbit on Twitter. Yeah. So Reese, he's one of our uh, Dojo House members. And oh, he, nice. He uh, he was kind of like piloting this out while living at the house, and um, yeah, and he's now building a company around that product, which has been pretty freaking amazing to okay. watch. That we watched like a hard tech startup spit out like come out of the Dojo House. Um, and um, I think there's also you know you have things like that, and you also have things that are kind of hard to quantify, uh, like you know some of our students have these, some of our students had like you know really really clear like key revelations about like what they yeah. want to do, uh-huh. what they want to build. Uh-huh. Uh, we, um, I think one of our students is kind of uh, now trying to work at MIT, like the, she's she's you know applying for an MIT research job, uh-huh. at the, um, and you know. That like to know that that may have not been possible without her, you know, getting a chance to kind of live in Boston, uh, you know, not have to worry about things like you know paying rent, but just being able to like unapologetically explore, you know, her passion for biotech. To know that without this opportunity, that may not have happened, is kind of shaking, mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh, I don't know, it gives me goosebumps yeah. as well. No, wow, it's amazing.
0: I, I guess to mo- motivate or you know let more people to know about biotech was specifically um, get you excited about the future of biotech. Um, you know, share a little bit about what gets you excited.
2: I think it's just the possibility of solving, um, diseases, like issues, like systemic disorders that have plagued our, our species for like since forever. Okay. I think that's the biggest thing that gets me excited about what's going on. I think, uh, like biotech is, is great. I find this very interesting with the, with like the science bio community in general, um, I think a lot of people are very motivated to do to, to solve these problems. Like when you, I think it's the people come to bio because they want to help other people. Right. Um, they want to solve diseases that hurt families and break them up. Uh, and I think that's like a really great part of why, you know, like why I'm studying biology. Uh, why I've done research and why we're doing like nuclear dojo right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that like that's the part that gets me really the most excited. But I think also it's a very very new field. Yeah. I think a lot of people aren't really too aware of it. We can see that actively reflected in the university curriculum, where you know biotech isn't a mandatory course or isn't even a optional course in some universities yeah. um, at the undergraduate level because it's just very you know very distinct pathway. Um, I remember very one time like someone was in a molecular bio- biology and biotech program. Uh-huh. Uh, at U of T and they're like and I overheard them talking and they're like I don't even know what biotech is and they're in fourth year (laughs) fourth year fourth year right now and it's a a testament (laughs) it's like the perfect transition it's like you don't know what biotech is well let me tell you about this community called Nuclear Dojo (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I think it's I I think as as more people kind of see the value of biotech and also like just step outside the the, the bubble like in academia they're also building cool science but it's constrained to like academia like within scientists talking to other scientists but you go to you know a place like Boston where biotech is like every around every single corner like you talk you see people scientists talking to not only scientists but everyone else involved in the biotech ecosystem whether that be like other founders other funders other operators uh, and I think that's what makes it so great because once you have that collective network of, of great minds and people with, who are driven by the same goal, I think that's when you can really make something like quite, quite remarkable
1: mm-hmm I think the... So, how I view biology is that biology is the ultimate form of robotics. Hmm. On the, Oh, how so? Because if you look at... Um, like, biology, it really is just applied hardware. It, it, it's like... It's complex hardware. Mastered over, like, millions upon millions of years yeah. of trial, error, and iteration. Okay, interesting. And it's the ultimate form of adaptable, uh, adaptable hardware. Especially in the sense that, you know... Um, hmm any single perturbation you make to a biological system to, like, improve it in a certain way for a certain use case, it always involves some sort of trade-off as well. Right. So, you know, these, uh, you basically have these self-functioning machines that, you know, they they take in inputs, they produce waste, and they have outputs, you know. They're literally these, like, functional machines, whether you're looking at a bacteria or if you're looking at, a, at like, a ginkgo plant. Um, like, biology is just, like, the most applied, the most advanced form of robotics that we have. Okay. And, um, now, imagine if we can actually understand how these robots work, how these, uh, you know, part by part, function by function, how do these robots work? How do we re-engineer for our use, you know, for what we want to do? And how do we, you know, how do we evolve these things to, you know, ever optimize to, you know, specific use cases we want? To me, that's, that process alone is fascinating uh, in terms of, like, what we can possibly build in biotech mm-hmm. because that general principle of, like, you know, being able to kind of break things down into modular parts, reorganize them, create a new system, that is itself fascinating. Industry-wise, there's something magical happening in biotech, which is the breaking down of barriers between different fields. Uh-huh. The lines between computer science and biotech are blurring more and more every day. You know, uh, even hardware, like like a lot of robotics and automation. Um, you know, the amount of automation engineered job postings I see in the biotech space is absolutely insane. Uh-huh. Um, so, the walls between uh, different different industries and biotech are breaking down more and more which is beautiful because when walls break down between different industries, more cross collaboration happens, mm-hmm. some incredible things can happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys learned about the Haber-Bosch process and like grade 11 chemistry, grade 12 chemistry. No, um, it's basically the pro- it's basically a chemical process where you can fix nitrogen from the air and you, know, you can just have like distilled nitrogen. Very, very huge implications for a huge implication for uh, fertilizer and creating fertilizer. Okay. Uh, also, chemical weapons. Right. Uh, so this chemical process that was that was like uh, perfected in like the early 1900s only came about because of the cross collaborative nature of what at the time was the German the German like the German industry. It was a mix of like you know uh, industry uh, companies making cannons uh, with companies uh, making fertil like making for like trying to make some sort of fertilizer uh-huh. with like chemistry labs, and you know these are relatively. You know, one would one would not expect like you know a um, a pure chemistry uh, you know, like a pure chemistry lab, a arms manufacturer, and some sort of like a farming materials company to all be working on the same project together. Um, but this kind of cross collaboration is is what led to the production of like you know this process that saved millions, if not almost a billion people by this point, from starvation. Because at yeah. the time there was a lot of fear of like the world running out of food, mm-hmm. and It was literally, like some chemist literally said, if we can fix nitrogen from the air and get it into the soil and have fertilizer, we could save millions of people. And sure enough, only through a cross-collaborative environment, you know, which still happened at the time to be in uh, pre-World War War I Germany, that will, you know, all of this came about through that collaborative effort. Now imagine with our technology now, with no war, and, you know, the need not to use chemical weapons or biological weapons going out, uh, coming about, what we can do for good with this amount of cross collaborative uh, passion and energy, and just even like market forces, you know, pressuring. Well, what is the craziest thought that you had of how biotech can, you know, can do? I'll, I'll give I'll give credit to George Church for this one, okay. uh, Professor George Church from Harvard Medical School. Uh, so George Church is like a legendary genetic engineer, and I I recommend people read his book called Re, uh, Regenesis for uh, any for like you know the creative spotic dreams so he opens the book and he says imagine being able to grow a house from a seed kind of like how you <laughs> grow a tree from a seed, right to grow a house from the seed grow a house from the seed just like how you planted the the micro uh like the sunflowers the corn, yeah, sunflowers. yeah the, the, the baby corn sunflowers exactly so instead of planting baby corn sunflowers what if we planted a skyscraper you know what if we planted a mobile home like what if we planted i don't know some sort of biodegradable temporary house to alleviate you know housing pressure Right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but planting a freaking house from a seed is uh, kind of wild. (laughs) That's (laughs) crazy. Yeah. I'd say that's, yeah. I'd say say like anything from that to like, or maybe maybe this is me being very ambitious and kind of audacious, but you know, creating cancer therapies or just disease therapies that don't cost $400,000 per patient and, you Mm -hmm. know, only cure diseases for the very rich. Imagine being able to create actual, actually affordable therapies or complex diseases uh-huh. you know with I mean? certainty yeah, with, yeah like the, <laughs> that like have like a high percentage of working not just across white people <sighs> how, how right. far are we from that like from the seed or from the from, no from, 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 cheap from cheap the therapies. cancer yeah from cheap therapies yeah okay. um so this is this is basically where i, I, I plug in my call for uh, all my fel- all my friends in engineering and uh, computer science that you know we're solving scientific problems every day you know every 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 day Dozens of new papers come out, alluding to you know potential answers for a lot of scientific problems, and with you know with all that being said, there's a ton of money also being poured into the space. Right. But what we lack is a lot of optimization of current proce- of current like manufacturing processes and um, and the you know the way we conduct um like by, yeah research and manufacturing in the in the life sciences space, and you know these unoptimized processes lead to very high costs. For example. Um, and this is kind of what Notch Therapeutics is trying to change. Uh, the current problems with uh, T cell therapies, like you know, uh, like these immune cell therapies that we use for like cancer patients who aren't responsive to chemo, um, you know, therapies like the, the different immune like cancer uh, immune-based cancer T cell therapies, um, they all require a very specific process called um, ACT and uh, adoptive cell therapy. Basically, where you extract immune cells from the own patient's own body, send them to a lab, you know, by cold, cold storage, uh, cold chain storage, you know, genetically engineer the cells, grow them out, send them back to the hospital with the patient, and then inject them back into the patient. You have this very convoluted process that doesn't scale because you know uh, we can't have we for the longest time we the process the prospect of having like a uh, immune cell donor pools just kind of out of the question, like, mm-hmm. scientifically. Mm-hmm. For the same question, for the same reason why you can't have like a, a universal liver donor pool or kidney donor pool. Right. You have to have like this, like matching, specific, like, yeah. genetic matching and stuff. So, like there, there are scientific uh, proposals and tried and true uh, actual like experiments that have been done to kind of circumnavigate, like kind of like circumvent this problem and get around the the matching problem for immune cells. But with that said, the way we manufacture immune cells is still inefficient. Mm. So the prospect of actually driving down costs, even with mm. the science answered, like partially answered for this problem, is still low because we haven't optimized the actual manufacturing part, right? If you can't manufacture something at scale, um, the cost isn't going to go down. And what's the point of curing cancer if you can only cure it for the one percent, mm. right? So if it's, it's problems like these, which is why I, you know, at least personally for me, I'm calling upon. I, 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 I love to call upon my engineering and. Yeah, uh, it's not really related to, really
0: to the, the bio biotech design. It's more on the logistics and the engineering
1: side of this, and to reduce the processes. Exactly, and you know, without the logistics and the engineering, the science doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it doesn't. It never leaves the lab. Yeah. right. That that's the truth. You know, we can, we can have people working in labs all day, but if the yeah, if the logistics problems aren't answered, we yeah. then rather curing cancer for the one percent, or we are perpetually curing cancer in mice. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: I really hope, like you mentioned, there, there should be more collaboration between different fields—engineering, bioscience, and logistics. All that combined together can really optimize the process and really change life and bring, you know, breakthrough technology to the world that can, you know, really advance our society. It's, I think, it's really, really important. Yeah. Um, yeah so, one last question: Is there any advice? I guess you guys build a like a very uh, tight and interconnected and really passionate community uh, among those young university or even high school people. Any advice for those who want to create such community um, and how
2: they can get started advice I think you should have multiple attraction points for trying to build a community like that Uh, meaning like it's not only good enough to have like a common interest but find like two or three other things that binds everyone together like for us it was you know the aspect of like we're the only people who are doing this so we're lonely we're also interested in and uh, we're also very interested in bi- biology and biotech very broadly uh, but we're also like very like our phenotype are the, the way that we are all wired are very very similar in the case that we're all very intellectually and innately c- curious okay. um, especially about the field of bio so like that's having like, multiple points where you can grab people and come together and just really feed into the community it's not like this is never this has never been like our like me and Mike and Subedas community it's always been like everyone who's involved uh, contributing and that's why we've had so many different types of like the way we run our programs has always been very very different depending on who's part of a community um it's because it's it's way bigger than any one of us it's like all of us together mm-hmm. we're trying to shape reshape the field of a biotech
1: mm-hmm. um you what do you think when it comes to advice for building community, I specifically say um, it's, it's helpful to think of your community almost like you think of a product, in the sense that you're, you're building a service for people to, to come and, mm-hmm. and you know, vibe and, and you know, feel, feel belonging in. Uh. But that won't be perfect once you first you know, launch your community. Yeah. It's, and it, there's nothing more important than hearing the woes and you know, the, the pros uh stated by the people in your community you know just talk to the people who who you're you're bringing in see you know see what works and what doesn't and just really try to iterate based on you know have, have be grounded in some sort of vision of course and have your, oh, yeah. your, your values but with that said adapt you know adapt to what the people in the community uh like want and we know what makes them comfortable and like you know don't be don't be scared of trying new things it's very much like building a product in that sense of like you know talk to your users iterate right. <laughs> talk to you just iterate yeah. general advice for Gen Z I guess this is more so directed at undergrads um, you know if you don't know what you want it's okay <laughs> it, Like it really is okay yeah. but the two words that kind of define my undergrad define my undergrad at least at least in my view is uh, unapologetically explore mm-hmm. you know for me most of my undergrad was spent doing research but I also dabbled in things like you know develop, like software development um, you know also, you know, also dabbling in things like you know singing, uh, cinematography, right. guitar, yeah. like like these are all things that I'm just passionate about that I'm excited about, yeah. and um, and even in research, like a lot of my work has been in neuroscience, but I haven't ever touched a neuroscience class, like ever. <laughs> uh, like I, I literally swore that I would not do neuroscience because it wasn't like what I was directly interested in uh, at the time, but like I you know neuroscience opp- research opportunities kind of presented themselves and I took them and you know that kind of mindset of unapologetically exploring led me down some very very interesting places and I learned a lot as a human being you know what I mean so yeah unapologetically explore guys Uh, Mm -hmm. if opportunity presents itself take it definitely like try to take it especially in undergrad there's nothing to lose
2: yeah and also just have like a build first like build first think later mentality where it's like if you see a problem like try to build something out of it and if it fails after like a few weeks then it's okay at least you try it it fails it fails yeah exactly (laughs) And then because there's many times like both both Mike and I, I mean even you Frank, you try yeah. build things and then yeah. Yeah. and then it doesn't but you you take so much away from that, and also like just surrounding yourself with good people around you like you know people like Mike and stuff, <laughs> uh, you know, like, people people like Frank to uh, together us like support to support the journey, um, to give you like to give like really great mentorship, I think that's like invaluable. Yeah. Um, and also just like always think like you don't know what's out there right. like we all we really don't know what's out there uh, Like it's to think that where we are right now And if I were to say like in, if I told my first year self that in you know two three years you're gonna be like be like this or with these people or like to know these things I would not have believed myself. Yeah, we just don't really just don't know so that's why I just like just take that step just to keep exploring and keep building and life will take you where you're supposed to go
1: Yeah,
0: keep your mind open
1: <laughs> keep, keep exploring and keep building Unapologetic, unapologetically explore build yeah. fast fail fast and uh, yeah be around good people let's go <laughs> thank you
0: Michael thank you Brendan it's great to have you guys <laughs> Ah let's go Thank you for listening to this episode of Ideas can Wait podcast. If you have taken something away from this episode and really enjoyed our conversation, it will mean the world to me if you can leave a review on wherever you're listening or watching. It will help this podcast to reach more like-minded people like you. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next one.